It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 23rd of January. We'll deep dive on three different topics. Joe Ingles and what's taking place with this game. Memphis is shopping Mike Conley. Should the Jazz be interested, what would it take? And the number two team in the West, the Denver Nuggets. What's different about them this year? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look at the jazz that you cannot get anywhere else. We bring it to you every single day in a little less than 30 minutes, sometimes a notch over. You can get it on Apple, Google, Spotify, and you can tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Uh, all right, bunch of things today. We're going to kind of go on a little journey together and look at stuff and talk about it and break it down and all sorts of, of fun things. Let's start with uh, one of the key guys to this team in Joe Ingles. And Joe is just not quite Joe right now. If you look over the last five games, uh, Joe is shooting 38% from the field. 26% from three. That's not the Joe Ingles that we know. <laughs> That's not the Joe Ingles that has been so vital to the Jazz um, success over the last period of time. And when you dig into it a little deeper, there's a few things that have changed. Uh, one is his catch and shoot numbers. Two are his above the break three-point shooting numbers. So for the season... His above-the-break three-point shooting numbers, which were above 40% last year and made him truly one of the most vital, successful players in the league, that above-the-break three-point shooting number for the season is down to 33%. Uh, Now down, actually, to 31.4% above the break, and we have an extended stretch now where it's not going. Um... If you take Joe all the way back December 9th, and I'm cherry-picking a date here because this is really when the struggle started. He was pretty hot right before then. He's 17 of his last 76, or 25% uh, on those shots. Now, again, before that, he was he was on fire. So it's a little misleading to go just take those numbers, but... It's worth noting, it's as though he got hurt or something. Prior to that day, he's shooting 37% on above-the-break threes. Since then, he's shooting 22% on above-the-break threes. His three-point shooting is still electrifying, 50%. His rim play is still great. He's so crafty around the basket. He still does so many more things for the Jazz than just shooting, but the shooting is vital, and he is in what has to be considered an extended slump off at shooting his above-the-break three. 22% since the Jazz played against the Spurs on December 9th. Prior to that, 37%. So that's that's a pretty big difference. Now, earlier this year, Scott Rogers of the Jazz 
TV crew made a really interesting observation, and that was that Joe was not getting open looks anymore. That teams, you know, I walked in with Terry Stotts the other day and uh, talking to Terry, and Terry just said, you know, Joe Ingles is a hell of a player. And so if we start to look at Joe Ingles' open looks and his opportunities there, we begin to see how his world has changed. So, and I'm updating this as we go, but last year, uh, Joe Ingles, or excuse me, this year, Joe Ingles wide open threes, and some of these could be corner and above the break. He got 35%, uh, 33% of his shots were wide open threes this year. He's hitting 39%. 19% of his shots uh, frequency were defender within four to six feet, which for Joe is, I think, pretty open. 35% shooting. Let's compare that to the 44% shooting of a year ago. Now, I think the 44%, frankly, was a little out of the norm. I think you could look at some numbers to bring it back. But if we look at this, this year, last year, instead of 33% of his shots being wide open threes, 43%. So teams have clearly changed how they're defending Joe Ingles. He's gone from 43% of his attempts being wide open three-point shots to 33%. And in turn, I think it's caused him to shoot them a little differently because it's so rare to be open. He talked about this on the Woj podcast, about the lack of space. Someone's always touching him. And I think he's almost rushed it. He was getting 3.6 a game last year. He's getting 3.3 this year. And his shooting percentage has gone from 48% down to 39% on the wide open. Look, so not only is he getting a few less... He's not shooting those quite as well. The four to six footer, which he's where the guy's within four to six feet of him, he's getting at about the exact same rate as he did a year ago. He's taking about the exact same and he's actually making a little bit, uh, only a little bit less. Last year he made 39.5 and this year he's making 35%. Um, just down, just that little smidge. So you suddenly compare these shots. Last year... In wide open looks, for over four feet of defensive space, 5.4 looks a game. This year, it's at 5.2, He's but it's less frequent in the amount of shots he's taking as he's increased his usage, and his shooting percentage is just down on those, on those looks. So it's not anything dramatic. I mean, 43% to 33% is, is a pretty... Big change, and it means you can see he's now changing the way he's getting some of his looks. But on the pure three-point shots, he's taking about the exact same amount. He just is not making them at the same electrifying rate he made them last year. I mean, last year, 48% on wide-open threes is a pretty high number. League average is about 37%. And so he's come back down to that number. Um, a little bit. He's actually he's at 39, right? He's, so he's a little bit above that number. Uh, but that's where the change is. He's taking more shots per game. This year he's taking 10 shots a game. Last year he took eight and a half. And he's getting the same amount of threes, and they're a, they're a little less open than they were before, and he's just not shooting them as well. I think there's just an overall impact to that in that he probably feels as though he's got to rush it a tiny bit uh, to get those looks. Clearly, it's a sign that one, Joe, 
is being asked to do a little bit more, and two, that the defenses are, in fact, a little bit different on him uh, than they were uh, in the past. His corner three percentage, and this is where playing with the ball at the top and doing more things with the ball, last year he took 30% of his shots as a corner three. The year before, or percent of his threes as a corner three, 30%. The years before he took 36%. This year he's down to 19% of those shots. That's where he shoots at his best. Right, He's a 50% corner three shooter for most of his career, about 48% overall, and he's right there. The other one I would just point out on Joe is if you believe in the nylon calculus, uh, you've first 753s is the best indicator for your next 753s. Joe's first 753s that he took in his career – come out to about 38, 39%. Um, His 44% the last two years on that scale is a little bit of an outlier. He's about to hit his next 750. He's about to take, uh, and that would bring him. Then you can look and say, okay, well, now I can expect that out of him. So he was 38. He's going to be about 40%, 41% on this next group, depending on how this plays out. In other words, he's getting back down to kind of a realistic number. He's off at 36%. He's probably a 39, 38, 39% three-point shooter, not a 44% three-point shooter, which was just incredible um, last season. The other one I would just mention on Joe, we have no idea if he's hurt. He just would never let you know. He just would never say anything. He just would fight through it. Um, and and then the, the last note, which... You know, Joe's aging is going to be unique in that he's only played 372 NBA games and he's only played about 9,000 NBA minutes. So it seems like he should be fresh, but he is 31. And how that impacts him as, you know, he'll be 32 at the start of next year, how that impacts his aging without as many minutes and wear and tear, but frankly, 32 is a time where wings usually do um, take a step the wrong direction. So, interesting. Overall thesis, clearly teams have changed the way they're guarding him. His the, What's being asked out of him is very different than it was, uh, than it has been in the past. And he is, in turn, not shooting some of the same shots that he shot a year ago as well. Uh, and I think it's, you know, they feel like they're, that he's not getting them as often. He feels as though um, he slipped. He's still pretty darn good. His points per shot attempt, instead of though being the last two years, according to Clean the Glass, his points per shot attempt, 98th percentile, 94th percentile, is now at 51 percentile. His assist percentage for his position is in the 96th percentile, so clearly being asked to do more. His usage rate is now in the 63rd percentile, which is way higher. It used to be 34th percentile, 24th percentile. He's just been asked, since Hayward left, asked to do so much and maybe being pushed a notch beyond uh, his natural kind of what his role should be. So, And it's just he's changed 
You know, he's taking 28% of his shots at the rim. It was 22 the last two years. Uh, In turn, as we mentioned, his corner three has gone from 20% of his shots to 15% of his shots. His overall three-point shooting has gone from 63% of his shots to 54% of his shots. So he's just doing things a little differently, and I think it's just changed his rhythm uh, to the game. Today's show is brought to you by The Store, 6200 South, 20th East, such a great community feel when you head down to the store. I tell you, the high school kids rolling the groceries out for the more elderly customers and putting their bags back in the back of the car. It always feels like that's just what community uh, is all about. And everyone knows every, you know, the, the young kids working there and everyone knows their parents. And you can just feel the community. And you can feel what Jeff and Scott have tried to build as you head through their local section, whether it's the cotton candy or the tortilla chips or the cheese places where they just highlight the local uh, area. By the way, the other day, they I've, I think I've talked about the fresh-squeezed orange juice and how great they had. They had clementine juice. It was incredible. The guy was sitting there taking little clementines and squeezing it in their squeezer. That's back in the produce department. Right behind there, you can see where they're making all their salsa and their pica de gallo in the back uh, and getting things ready. If you head to the back left-hand corner, you've got the hot meals that are out there each and every day if you need a quick lunch. Plus, they've got the various sandwiches that Amy's working with the chef on making, and then you can circle around to the front right left side if you're facing out the door and get your mudslide cookie, which is the best cookie in town. It's all at the store at 6200 South and 20th East. Time now to hear a little bit more about Iron Gate Global Advisors from our friend Spencer Nelson. Iron Gate Global Advisors is a Salt Lake financial group that's got a unique combination of talent. Spencer Nelson, former Utah State Aggie, is now working with him. That's how I found out about him. It's probably worth noting, Spencer's not just a hoop guy. He's got an MBA, accounting and finance degrees, worked in private equity, worked in Wall Street. Super smart dude. Anyway, got two guys leading this crew. Brian, who's a former Utah State guy, longtime investment management. He's the chief investment officer. And then there's Brett, who Spencer tells us about. Brett has a very cool background, which includes an opportunity he had to work with an option shop in Chicago named Thinkorswim, which is a very well-known options trading shop in the options world. He brings that unique skill set to Iron Gate, which adds another component to Brian's active management and being able to use options as an asset class to provide protection in down markets and generate income when markets are doing well or flat. Being able to combine myself and Brett and Brian's background and skill sets provides kind of a perfect marriage that really differentiates Iron Gate Global Advisors and provides real value to our clients. Find out more about Iron Gate by calling Spencer at 888-591-0334. That's 888-591-0334. Or email Spencer at Spencer at IGGA.com. That's Spencer at IGGA.com. Anytime we're talking investing, please understand that past performance isn't indicative of future results. Also, options may not be for everyone. They have different risks. Make sure you consult a professional before doing anything with them. Do your due diligence. So big news yesterday in the NBA that the Memphis Grizzlies are listening for offers for Mike Conley. Let's dig in of whether or not this is something the Jazz should be involved in. So 
let me walk you first through what the decision-making process would be for the Jazz. The first decision you have to make is do you believe Mike Conley is an upgrade to, to Ricky, from Ricky Rubio? Okay, that's the first decision. Just purely talent-wise, is Mike Conley an upgrade from Ricky Rubio? The second decision I guess you have to make is, is Donovan Mitchell your point guard going forward? Okay. Your third decision is whether or not Mike Conley's contract is prohibitive. So Mike Conley's contract is a $30 million deal a year. Mike Conley this year is earning 30.5. Next year he earns 32.5. And in the third year, I believe uh, it's a the team option has an ET, or actually maybe it's his option. I would guess it's probably his option for $34 million. So is Mike Conley, do you want the backside of Mike Conley's five-year, $152 million contract, which is 30 this year? 32 next year, 34 the year after. That would make your team be Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. Okay? If you have said, then the fourth decision you have to make is, is Mike Conley at 30 million, 32 million, and 34 million better than whatever you can get, Ricky Rubio probably, or somebody else as your other point guard at that money. And the fifth decision you have to make is, is Mike Conley at that money better than what you could use that money for in the offseason? Now that one's hard because you have no guarantee of getting a player. But that's the decision-making process you have to make on Mike Conley. First, is he better than Ricky Rubio? Two, are you willing to pay that money for him? Three, is that money better than what you would pay Ricky Rubio for your team or some other point guard, be it Corey Joseph or Darren Collison or other free agents this offseason? Four, Conley, Mitchell, Gobert, is that what you want to be? And is that better than what you could get in free agency, which is risky? Okay, so those are, let's say all of those you're right now saying, yeah, I'm in. Then let's dig in to Mike Conley because the next thing is he's 31 years old. And you have to decide whether or not you see any significant slippage. Let's start with points gained. Mike Conley's points gained this year is a minus .8. So he is now a below average this season from an efficiency standpoint offensive player. Coming off a pretty significant injury last year. Last year, in 12 games, he was a minus 1.2. In the 16-17 season, so that's 29, he should be at his peak. 
Mike Conley was a 1.8. Now, do you believe you're getting that Mike Conley? Because that Mike Conley is pretty incredible. Went to the free throw line 12% of his times, took 32% of his shots as threes, shot 41% from three. Last year, he shot 31% from three, 38% overall in just 12 games. And this year, he's shooting 41% back to 34% from threes, taking a few less threes and going to the line a tad less. Let's dig in a little bit, looking at cleaning the glass to see what's different about him. His usage is way up. He's in the 85th percentile usage, higher than it's ever been. His points per shot attempt for his position is in the 61st percentile. His assist rate is in the 80th. That's a career high assist rate. His points per shot attempt. Here's the percentile of what he's been starting at 25. 75th, 71st, 87th, 75th, 92nd, kind of that peak year. Comes off the injury, he's at 58 and 61st. So there's a there's a chance you've got to look at this that he's he's not right off the injury. His overall shot distribution, he has gone from he is taking just twenty five percent of his shots at the rim in the thirtieth percentile of all offensive players. At his peak, he was at thirty three percent, kind of thirty eight percent. His threes, he's taking 36% of his shots at his threes. That's up. It's not as high as his best year at 39. His mid-range shots, he takes a lot of them. He's at the 40th percent, 71st percentile of mid-range shots. He's good at it, relatively. 64th percentile, 43%. It's still only .86 points per shot. The most disturbing number to me on Mike Conley, and maybe the number that would end the conversation for me, is his rim finishing. Let's go back to 26 years old. 58%, then 58%, then 54 then 62 then the injury, 55 and now down to 53 14th percentile of all rim finishing. At 53%, if you want a sign of age kicking in, that's it. The other one would be foul drawing. And what's interesting about that is percentage of plays where he's fouled has slipped a bit, but not dramatically. It's from 11, 12 to 10%. It is slipping. And his and one percentage is down a minor bit. But that rim number jumps out to me and would scare me a little bit. Steal rate is still right about where it should be. Block shot rate, low turnover rate, high assist rate. Never been a great rebounder. But that rim finishing number is on a clear decline. And the amount of attempts is on a, is on a little bit of a decline. Not a little bit. He was taking, you know, a huge decline. At 31 years old. All right, final piece of this puzzle, what would it take? So you can go, we all can do this now. You go to the ESPN, Google ESPN trade machine. Mike Conley's making $30 million a year. They're probably going to want Dante. I think that ends the conversation. 
first of all, you've got to decide from all the things I just told you, you're actually still on at this point. I mean, I think there's about 12 reasons to be off. But if you're still on, you're probably, and we can all try to piece together the numbers, you've got to come up with $30 million of salary. And so it's probably something... You can put a Cephalosha piece in there. You can put a, but it's probably a Rubio favors Grayson Allen, another draft pick type deal. 31 years old, really good player. I've never thought he was over, under or overrated. I always thought he was perfectly rated. Borderline all star, but not quite an all star. Would you want to do it? I gave you most of the data I can give you right there. What would you want to do? We'll deep dive on Denver next. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. Homie is taking the real estate world and asking you why. Why, if you invest a bunch of money in your house and remodel it and increase its value, does the real estate agent get more money? Why, if you bought your house and the real estate rate and the money went up in your area, does the agent get more? Why, if you're selling your house and your house is nicer than the guy down the road, should your agent make more when he's doing the same, he or she is doing the same amount of work? That's what homie's asking you. Ask why. And instead, homie charges a flat fee. No matter what the house is, $199 to list, $12.99 to close. On average, homie customers save over ten grand. That's ten grand of equity. Recently sold a million dollar home in record time, saved the homeowner sixty thousand dollars in commission. When you buy a home with homie, you can qualify up to a five thousand dollar buyer refund to help with closing costs also. Homie sells homes faster than the overall market and individual agents. You not only save thousands, but they help sell your home by putting your home up on the MLS, major websites, including Facebook. They use a team approach, traditional agent. They, homie, you have a whole team of Utah licensed agents, attorneys, and help you buy and sell your home. And you get, they've got your back every step of the way. We'll give you $100 off the listing. If you call 801-899-0072, 801 899 0072. Homie is asking you to ask why. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. 
That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's freshly.com slash locked on NBA. All right, another deep dive today. Sorry, lots of them, but it was kind of a fun show to prepare. Denver Nuggets. They're great. The Denver Nuggets are great right now. And what is it about the Nuggets that makes them so great? Well, this is what's stunning to me. The, 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 there's no doubt what's different about Denver. What's different about Denver is they've gone from 21st in the league according to cleaning the glass, to 13th in the league defensively. Okay, it's a big jump. And offensively, they're still great. So if we run through it, sixth best offense last year, fourth best this year. Seventh best shooting team last year, ninth best this year. They're turning it over a little less. They're going the line a little less, but they're basically the same offense, maybe a tad better. They're great. Last year, they went 46 and 36. Should have won 45 games this year. They're on pace to win about 53. So why are they 31 and 14? Well, their defense is better. What have they done differently? Teams are not shooting the ball as well against them. Well, they've really changed their defense. Or have they? They went from last year being 17th in the league and allowing shots at the rim this year to 27th. What? 27th. They're allowing one of the highest numbers in the league at the rim. They're allowing the highest amount of corner threes in the NBA. They're allowing the 23rd highest rate of threes and the fewest amount of mid-range shots. All right, they're defending league average at the rim, which is a little better than last year, but they're allowing so many more shots there, it's not any better. Their mid-range defense is about the exact same as it was last year. The thing that is different, is above the break corner three shooting against the Denver Nuggets has dropped from 38% to 32.7%. Five percentage points. I'm sure they're doing something different, but that number traditionally in the NBA, in the numbers circle, is known as the luck number. You're either lucky or you're not. The teams are hitting shots against you or not hitting shots against you. I know. It's so such a bummer to believe that. But there that's generally kind of thought of as a kind of So they've gotten teams to miss. Is it real? Is it pure luck? It's gotta be somewhat real. Give them credit. They're athletes. they've got a bunch of athletes, they move well, they've got Beasley and Plumley and really good athletes coming off the bench, and they've and Morris, the backup point guard, has changed a lot of things. But there's a little bit here that makes you go, huh? So, for example, in games that are decided by five or less, or games that were within five or less in the final five minutes, they're an incredible 19-7. and 
In games in which they were behind or tied in the final five minutes by five or fewer points, they're eight and seven. That's awesome. And their defense is incredible. Opponents are shooting 36% against them in the final five minutes of close games. Now, in games that are in the final five minutes, five or less, they're 19 and seven, and opponents have shot 21% from three. Huh? They're far and away the best clutch team in the league right now. And teams have shot 21% from three in clutch time against the Denver Nuggets. Overall, that's their defensive change. You dig into them and look at them, and I've given you a little bit on the kind of base level, but points per play in the half court. Last year they were 26 in the league. This year they're 23rd defensively. They're not keeping teams out of the half court anymore. This year, they're the second best transition defense in the league. Last year, they were 22nd. And if I dig the second tier in the numbers, teams are missing threes in transition against them. And I'm not sure whether that's sustainable. It's a little funky. Let's look at second spectrum... Quantified shot quality. Quantified shot quality measures the likelihood of any shot going in if the average player in the NBA takes that shot. Portland is the number one shot quality team in the league defensively. Jurkic doesn't let you get to the rim. They hold your three-point shooters. We saw it firsthand. The Jazz are sixth best. Teams should shoot 51.2% against the Jazz. If average players took the shot, they're taking 51%. We have the biggest shot deterrent player in the league in Rudy Gobert. We have a bigger individual player impact than anyone in Rudy Gobert, and teams are shooting about average against us for what an average player should. That's, that's the likelihood. Portland, who plays an extensive shell defense, does not try to – tries to make sure they don't foul, does not force turnovers, It's not particularly aggressive defensively. Teams are shooting 1.5 percentage points better against them than they should. That, you can actually look at Denver and say that makes a little sense. Let's look at Denver. The Denver Nuggets are 18th in the league in quantified shot quality, and teams are shooting 0.2 points below their average. So right about average. 18th. So somewhere in here, Denver is doing something where they're either contesting threes at a higher rate than usual, whether they're, or whether or not they're getting out on those shooters in a way with their athleticism. They're doing something. They're not just giving up open looks. They're being lost. Now, if you go to December 21st and look at them, They start to get unlucky. Since December, and a little bit as that Warrior game is in there, teams are now hitting a pretty high level against them, and their defense is slipping in where it ranks at 53.7. They're 23rd in the league against the shot since then. So it's interesting to watch this. They have done clearly 
done some things better. There's an unusual amount of misses. Was that earned or lucky? Time will tell. That is Locked On Jazz today. Have a fabulous day. Make sure you go grab Locked On NBA. And by the way, for those interested, Spence Checkets will be my guest on Thursday this week. Have a good one. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back. So that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando. And Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA. So if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.